Good morning, everybody. Let's um, start like we do every morning and turn our notebooks over and we'll review the discipline. So we'll just start at the very beginning. The Wellspring purpose. To encourage, or I'm sorry, to equip and encourage the women of GBC to shepherd their hearts towards Jesus Christ with the word of God so that they live out the gospel, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Discipline one, the heart. She prayerfully shepherds her heart towards God through the word of God and in particular the gospel. What does it mean to prayerfully shepherd my heart towards God? As we can all attest, it isn't going to happen on accident. We aren't going to coast into shepherding our hearts with the gospel. We aren't going to wake up one day and find that we've arrived. It's simply by God's grace and with his strength that we are able to even drag our sinful hearts to his word. And by humbly submitting our hearts to his word, we start to see who the God of the word really is. We see who we are in our mixed condition. We see what was done on our behalf. And we see what our response should be. Sisters, don't forget the important word in the beginning of the discipline. Prayerfully, what does this look like for you? Do you come to your time in the Word and just hope that through simple reading it will transform your life? Don't get me wrong, God's Word is powerful. And Isaiah 55:11 says, So will my Word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isaiah, in the, in the verse before, gives a beautiful illustration that like the snow and rain fall from heaven, they do not return until they have watered the earth, making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Before we jump into God's word, we need to quiet our hearts and prayerfully and humbly submit them to this powerful word from our creator. So I ask, how is this going for you? Do you start your time first by seeking the Lord in prayer? Don't forget that in our mixed condition, at times, it can be difficult to shepherd our sinful hearts. But the glorious news is that because we are freed from the power of sin, we can shepherd our hearts. I hope that the following prayer that I'm going to share with you will help you shepherd your heart. And I believe you may have received a copy of it today with the handout. So if you want to read along, feel free. I know we received a copy of this prayer the first year, and it is written by Scott Maxwell, and it's just a beautiful example of how the Wellspring Disciplines might shape your um, prayerful approach to God through his word. It says, Heavenly Father, I intend this time in your word to be an expression of worship of you, desire for you, love for you, need of you, dependence on you. Any of this and all of this is only possible through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. I approach you through him, my substitute and high priest. I have your word open before me because you have revealed yourself there more clearly than any other place, and I long to know you better. I desire to see you in all your glory in the pages before me. I simply and humbly draw near to you to study you. Nearness to you through these pages of scripture is my good. 
I also have your word open before me because I need to learn more of the nature of my sin and fallenness before you so that I might better understand what danger I truly was in and what dangers still lurk within me and so that I might see the sin that provoked your righteous wrath towards your son and your grace that moved you to act as savior towards me in him. Your word is open before me so that I might undergird my life again today with your saving heart and motive in the gospel of your Son, who overcame the penalty of my sin and the power of my sin to enslave me. I need the foundation of your gospel under me clearly so that I can see just how you have equipped me through it to fight against my sin and to fight for obedience to you through Jesus Christ. I am here to rehearse your bedrock promise in the gospel to my soul. I have your word open before me to also study what righteousness and holiness of life looks like for one who has been made into a new creature in Christ. By your grace and power, as I see holiness of life placed in front of me in the pages of scripture, I long to better align my life and behavior with what pleases you. I desire my heart and mind to be full of you because of what these pages reveal to me about you. I long for you to spill out of me into my home and wherever you lead me today. All who come into contact with me today must interact with a woman whose heart has drawn near to you. Their best hope for salvation is to is for growth in the gospel will come from one who has searched you in your word and gazed upon your son in the gospel. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I am a big fan of using words of men who have studied well and who have made it their life's work to know and honor our Savior. Use prayers like this or from the Valley of Vision to prepare for spending time in God's word. Believe me, seeking the Lord in the early morning, sometimes without coffee, I need all the help I can get. But don't rely too heavily on these prayers because God loves to hear from us and to hear our prayers. So let's talk about discipline to the home. She ministers to those in her household with her heart for God and the gospel. What does this look like for you? Do you minister to a husband, children, both young and grown? grandchildren, roommates, siblings, or aging parents? Maybe you're living alone at this point in your life, but don't forget that your home can be used mightily for God. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says she is able to live in an undistracted devotion to the Lord by being concerned about the things of the Lord. Maybe right now you're like Hannah, who endured the pain of childlessness, taking it to God in prayer and not trampling on her husband in the process. Maybe your life is similar to Priscilla, who co-labored for the gospel with her husband Aquila. Maybe you're caring for widows like Tabitha, meeting their needs. Maybe you're the younger woman in Titus 2, seeking to love your husband and children, being sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, subject to your own husband. No matter what the stage of life you reside in right now, or how, the, how many of these stages you've experienced, a woman who shepherds her heart towards God through the word of God 
will be equipped to minister to those in her closest sphere of influence. Discipline three, the ministry. With a heart for God and the gospel and fulfilling her ministry within her household, she steps into the church to shepherd others towards God and the gospel. I hope it doesn't sound like you have to have both discipline one and two mastered before engaging in discipline three. Believe me, we will not have any of these mastered this side of heaven. I have a plethora of women in my life that would fall into the category of older women from Titus 2. They've been used by God to shape my life. And the thing about these women is they've all come from the church. Here are some real-life examples just to show you what it looks like and how to minister to the women God places in your life. Maybe you're like my friend Margaret. She would listen to the rambling crushes I had in middle school, all while driving me back home after an evening of babysitting her children. She would sweetly point me to her Savior while encouraging me to keep my way pure. Or maybe you're like my friend Ruthie. She is a retired ER charge nurse who would humbly help me sort out delicate relationships of boss and employee when I was in my early 20s. Her wisdom helped me grow in responding rightly in difficult work situations, reminding me to honor God in my workplace. Or maybe you're like my friend Robin, my small group leader for a time. When she had five young children, she would have me over to help her fold laundry and we would fix dinner together. Those were invaluable moments of spurring me on in my love for the Lord. Or maybe you're like my mom, Susan, who always models what it means to love her Savior more than her family and how to sacrifice her dreams and desires to honor Christ. It doesn't matter how God brings a younger woman into your life or what her circumstances might be or how you will encourage her. What does matter is that it is clear that we are all an older woman to somebody and we are all directed to teach the younger women in our lives to follow the Titus II model. One of my favorite quotes that I thought of while thinking about Discipline Three was, in so much as anyone pushes you nearer to God, she is your friend. So before we move into the next section of Wellspring for the teaching time, let's take a couple minutes to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here this early morning. I lift up Sarah to you this morning as she um, is going to come speak in just a few minutes to us on what it looks like to shepherd our hearts. Lord, please give us attentive ears. Open up our eyes that we may see and our hearts that we may learn exactly what it is that you have for us today. Lord, let us take what you teach us this morning and apply it in our lives in the way that's needed and necessary. Lord, use your spirit to work in us and through us that we may be changed women so that we can encourage those other women around us. Lord, let us take what we learn and go forth and make disciples of those who do not yet know you. Lord, and let us encourage those who do know you and follow you. Lord, I just pray for this time. I pray for Sarah that you would give her clarity of speech. Lord, and that you would give her um, the words exactly that you want for us to hear. We thank you for your son and what he did on the cross so that we could even come into your presence. We thank you for his example of obedience and love and sacrifice for us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, praise God. It's, um, it's a huge blessing just to... Um,
see the fruit of the gospel at work um, among us and that the Lord worked in Sarah to give her that desire to come and, and share with us that, that heart to obey and um, give out God's word to us. Um, just a little bit of uh, FYI, it's a little bit, I, I've told a couple people that, you know, when um, when my kids were little, I, I really, oh, sounds weird, I really liked being a mom. I still really like being a mom. <laughs> but, um, you know, I knew that there were lots of moms that were way better moms than I was. But if I took them to somebody else's house for a few hours, I still, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get them back home because I just, I loved, I loved being their mom. I love being with them. And um, I'm feeling a little bit like that for you guys because we have a couple of other people who are going to come and shepherd you and they are amazing shepherds and they love God and God is going to bless us and teach us and grow us through them. But I feel a little bit like your mom. I'm going to miss this opportunity. But I will be back to teach in February. I'll still be here every week. But I'll get to just engage with you and and, um, connect with you in, in different ways a little more one-on-one. But next time, we have Chris Evans coming to teach our, as we shift from the discipline of the heart, we'll be shifting into discipline two, and she'll teach our biblical survey of the home. And then December 15th, I think our last lesson of the year, Suzanne Blevins will be teaching from Proverbs 14.1. And I'm just very, very thankful how the Lord is um, just raising up people who want to care for the Women of Grace Bible Church. So that's, that's a huge blessing. Uh, in your stack of handouts, the next thing behind the, the prayer what is one called The Shelf Life on Preaching the Gospel to Yourself. Um, you can read that on your own, but it has some really helpful explanations about the relationship between God's Word and the Gospel and how we, we want to just keep those together. Um, and I, I hope it's an encouragement that just underscores why we really, in Wellspring, make it our, our endeavor to read all of God's Word. So we want to keep the Word in front of us, and we want to keep the Gospel in front of us the rest of our lives. This is just a, a discipline that we re- really want to cultivate lifelong. Okay, this is our fifth lesson in Wellspring. Um, and so far, we have talked about Discipline 1, the heart, the heart. So whether we've looked at the mixed condition or we've done a biblical survey of the heart or we've talked about salvation's rest, we always come back to discipline one and how badly we need to cultivate this lifelong discipline of shepherding our hearts to the word of God, to meet with the God of the word. And so this week, we are going to take some time to try to better understand what that means. What is that? What is shepherding, right? And we've talked a lot about the heart. We, we probably have a pretty good, clear idea about what God's word says about the heart. But what do we mean when we say shepherd your heart? How do we do that? And so this lesson is going to be kind of different. It's a, it's a new lesson this year. It's hopefully more tangible and more practical. And we really just want this to be a time where everybody is spurred on to persevere and to excel still more and to grow in this discipline of shepherding our hearts. And so we're going to walk through what that is, what it might look like, um, and, and share some possibilities. And I'll just tell you, I have a rebellious heart. And so sometimes I'm listening to a lesson and I feel like somebody's telling me how to do something that I think I already know how to do. I might not do it on the outside, although I might, but on the inside I might do this. 
and kind of think, yeah, okay, but I know how to do that. But this is not me telling you how to have your time with the Lord. What this is, is going to somebody else's house, and they ask you to help um, do something, help wash their dishes. And so you look in the cabinet, and they don't have a little yellow scrubby thing like you use at your house. And you think, how in the world do they wash dishes, <laughs> right? Because everybody uses a little yellow scrubby thing, right? And you find out that, lo and behold, they've got a handy-dandy little brush, and it's amazing, and it works really well. And, and you might decide that you actually really want to use a brush. Or they might find out that they'd really be helped by the little yellow scrubby thing. Or you might both just decide you like the way you do it, and that's fine. And so that's what this is. We're going to talk about some tools. These are just tools. And if they're helpful, then use them. Use them. Um, if they're not helpful, then that's fine. Maybe it's a tool that you'll be talking with somebody else sometime, and you'll say, hey, you know, one way that you could do that, I heard about this, doesn't work for me, but maybe it'll be helpful to you, and you can share it with somebody. So this is a resource. This is, these are resources. Let's be spurred on. That's, that's what this is about. And um, you know, a lot of these came from what Scott taught in the build lesson. He, he added this lesson this year, last week, was or two weeks ago is when he taught it. And um, I've been really helped. Just in the last couple weeks, I, I printed the notes in a, a different form where I could stick them in my um, Bible reading journal. And it's been really helpful just in my time of prayer to be thinking through needing to deal with sin. It's like, you know, I just need to pray through a passage on the gospel. So I pull out my notes, and there they all are listed. So I've been helped. I feel like it's, it's growing me in this discipline. Um, this is not about me telling you to do this or saying, boy, I've got this all figured out. But this is, let's just help each other. You know, fan that flame of desire to get more of, of Jesus and get and draw near to God more in his word. Okay? So we're going to survey some possibilities and, and our desire is that there might be some of these things that you'd say, oh, hey, that, that would be, I would really be helped to uh, incorporate some of that in this discipline of shepherding my heart. Okay, so what is shepherding? And you might even wonder, why do we use that word? I mean, has anybody ever tended sheep here? <laughs> maybe in 4-H, you know? Maybe. <laughs> but that's probably not quite the same thing as being a shepherd. Um, and so it could be helpful to try to come up with some other words to describe it. And we, we certainly aren't helped by it if we don't know what it means. We don't want it just to be jargon, just kind of a word we throw around. So we do need to start with just figuring out what that word means. So if you look in a thesaurus, which is a book that gives you synonyms for words, um, I had to learn that along the way, uh, it gives out words like coach, counsel, mentor, pilot, okay, tutor. And, and those words capture some aspects of this idea of shepherding. Uh, Lori Hantla describes it really well as parenting your heart. Maybe she'll use that analogy again when she shares the disciplines with us later this year. If you look in Strong's Concordance, you get some biblical definitions. and It has things like to feed and to tend, to rule, uh, to furnish pasture, to nourish. And probably the definition that comes closest to what we mean when we talk about discipline one is to supply what is required for the soul's needs, to supply what is required for the soul's needs. But what I found to be most helpful was just to look and see what God's word says about a shepherd. Um, And I found out this is a very descriptive word. It is a great word. 
Go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 23. We are going to get there after we kind of summarize what some of the other passages say. Um, and so, just I just I, I put the references in your notes, but just to kind of run past some of the characteristics of good shepherds in the Word, and some of these are talking about people who take care of sheep, and some of them are talking about people who take care of other people. Um, but but good shepherds guard, and they tend. And they do it voluntarily, and they do it with eagerness. They rule, and they carry, and they lead. They gather, they feed. They're faithful. They train to walk in and keep and observe God's word. They sacrifice for and protect, and they dispel fear. And that is what we're aiming for when we shepherd our hearts, to faithfully and eagerly guard and lead and feed and train our hearts to obey God's word, to dispel fear from our hearts by drawing near to God. And now listen to what the word says about bad shepherds. I'm going to kind of zip through this list quickly. But it's interesting. It says they have no understanding. They're stupid. They haven't sought the Lord. They haven't prospered. They destroy the sheep. They don't attend to the sheep. They lead the sheep astray. This one's interesting. They they make the sheep forget their resting place. Do you remember our last lesson? That when we shepherd our hearts to be diligent to enter salvation's rest, we're reminding our hearts of it our heart of its resting place. We are at rest in Christ. Bad shepherds sleep when they should keep watch. They leave the flock. They're foolish. They don't care for the perishing. They don't seek the scattered. They don't heal the broken, and they do not sustain the one who is standing. Those with no shepherd are afflicted, distressed, and dispirited. See, it does a sheep no good to have a bad shepherd or to have no shepherd. There's no protection from affliction or distress or discouragement. There's no sustenance or healing for brokenness. And that is a very dangerous place for a sheep. That's a very dangerous place for your heart. Jesus is our chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And of course, Psalm 23, you have your Bible open there, you can just follow along, says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so our job in shepherding our heart is to bring that heart to the good shepherd, Jesus, so that we might receive his shepherding care for us. And we do that by meeting with God in his word and in prayer. And it's something that we must cultivate as a discipline. Okay, so some considerations for the discipline of shepherding my heart. What what we call it ingredients. What do you need? Well, you need your Bible, right? It needs your Bible. Um, probably it's going to be helpful to have something to write on and something to write with. Um, 
maybe a journal, maybe index cards, some system for organizing how you're going to handle prayer requests or or so forth. We'll talk a little bit more about that as we go along. Maybe it's um, electronic tools and apps that that help you. But, But we really, before we jump into talking about how we do this, let's talk about some other preparation that can be really helpful. Um, Well, it's helpful just to do some planning. We don't want to have a plan to enslave us, but we want to have a plan that will serve us, that serves to help us draw near to the Lord in his word consistently and to grow and to grow and and just to continue to grow in our consistency in that. Um, Some practical considerations. It's, It's worth just asking these questions so that we can be realistic about what what really can we do so we can ask ourselves where am i going to have time with the lord and and ask what makes that a good place what challenges are in that is is there a better place is it a place uh where for example maybe it's helpful for you to stay engaged to read the word out loud while you're reading or to pray out loud or to pray on your knees or to sing is it a place where you can do that um if at all possible, it really does help just to be as alone as you can be during this time. It doesn't mean there's not a place and a time for a coffee shop or be sitting on the couch while the kids watch a video because it's the only opportunity you've had to be in the Word. But it's just a consideration. Those things might not be the best regular option. And then we need to ask when. When am I going to do it? Am I going to do it first thing in the morning? Am I going to do it after the kids are off to school? Am I going to do it on my lunch hour? Am I going to do it at night? Um, You know, a lot of people prefer the night. But if we're going to do that, we need to have a good plan. What am I going to do to carry that forward into the next day? Because the whole idea is that this time alone with the Lord is just a launching pad for shepherding our heart all day long. So we need to have a plan for bringing that forward. Does it need to be flexible? Is my time with the Lord going to be impacted by my schedule or by other people's schedule? Um, And then as I make that decision, is this the best time? For me to shepherd my heart, my heart, my mind to be fully engaged with this time of the Lord. And then another good question just to evaluate is how long can I spend on this? Um, does it need to be all in one sitting? Is it something that I should try to break up and do in a couple different times in my day? Do I have more time on some days than others? Um, and and We just want to take all that into account and to evaluate and plan for how to make this time as consistent and as fruitful as we can. That's the goal. Um, This is just an example. It was helpful for me years ago. I read about, sorry, I read about a lady who had a large family and she was homeschooling. And so she had decided she could consistently spend 30 minutes with the Lord. And so she broke it up. She spent 10 minutes reading, 10 minutes in prayer, and 10 minutes on scripture memory. Now, could you spend 30 devotional minutes shepherding your heart with the Lord that way? Absolutely. I've used it on vacation. I'll tell you what. It makes me so much more focused than when I have a long time. You know, I'm just engaged because I've, I've, I've got a limited time. So that could be really helpful. Now, with our plan of reading through the Bible in a year, um, probably you need more like a minimum of 20 minutes for your reading, and so you would want to adjust that. And maybe you um, take the scripture memory out of that plan, or you take 10 minutes later in the day to, to finish your reading, you know, before you go to bed or something like that. 
But, but there's a way to be very fruitful with whatever time you have. Um, now, if we're going to be diligent to battle for a heart that wants to meet with God in his word, then we're going to be willing to evaluate and ask ourselves probing questions. Like, am I being a diligent steward of the time that I do have? You know, when we are in seasons where we really can only squeeze a small amount of time out of our schedule to meet with God in his word, maybe a new baby or some health issues or it's finals week or something like that, um, those things that can make it more challenging, we just need to be very careful not to get comfortable there. Not to get comfortable there. Keep longing for more and laboring for more, for more time with God in his word. We might just need to ask ourselves, do I need to make some sacrifices? Do I need to give up something I really enjoy late at night so I do a better job waking up early? Do I need to spend less time on my hair, my computer, my exercise? Um, And really, that word sacrifice doesn't even fit here because when we shepherd our heart to think rightly about this treasure of drawing near to God in his word, it's not a sacrifice, is it? I mean, I don't think it's a sacrifice to eat dinner every day. I like it. (laughs) And so, you know, this is just um, one way to think about it. We live in a culture that tells us women that we need me time. You know what? Why don't we turn that into him time? You know, I need need him time. Um, I'll tell you, one of the most encouraging things I ever had in in meeting with a gal, uh, we had scheduled, I would go to her house and we were going to talk. And um, she had three kids, a new baby. And I walked in the door, and literally, she put the baby in my arms and said, could you take the kids outside? I need to get in the Word. That was awesome. That was awesome. That was a humble heart, and that was a heart of somebody who understood what she needed most. I love that. Shepherding our heart does take time. And we're we're never going to regret investing that time, even though it's costly We absolutely don't want to make shepherding our hearts something that only happens when we've got a big chunk of time. We need to train ourselves and discipline ourselves to pursue God in whatever small windows of opportunity that we have for drawing near to him in his word and prayer. Chris Evans talks about when her kids were little, she would leave her Bible open on her counter So she had a constant reminder that she needed and wanted to be in the Word. And it was right there. She could stop and read a verse any time and meditate on that and carry that on to the next period of time in her day. But let's keep spurring each other on to hunger and thirst for more. Let's not ever be satisfied with where we are in this discipline of shepherding our hearts. Um, More time alone with God. That's It's only going to make us more fruitful and more effective in serving our Savior, knowing our Savior. So there is no guilt trip here. There's no condemnation. Um, But but our goal is, is let's, you know, I want you to keep fanning a flame in me. I want it to be consuming in my life. I want you to fan that in me, and I want to fan that in you to desire more, desire more of meeting with God and and time with him and, and to get the most out of whatever time you do have. Okay. Um, You know, in your notes, last page of your notes, there's a quote. Um, And I got this in an email this week. 
and I, I just think it, it sits here. Uh, this is from Paul Tripp. He says, whatever your story, I say to you, never stop being a student. There are two reasons. First, the depth of God's wisdom. It has no boundary. It has no bottom. It has no ceiling. If for 10 million years you sat for 24 hours a day at his feet to listen, you would scratch only the surface of his wisdom. And here's the second reason, the danger of the world. Falsehood echoes more loudly and repeatedly than the sounds of wisdom. Every day, a thousand voices speak into your life. And the majority of those voices have not gotten the flowers of their insight from the wisdom garden of the Lord. You see, we live in the middle of a raging wisdom war. It is so easy to be taken captive. It's so easy to have divine wisdom corrupted by human wisdom. It is so easy to breathe in the polluted air of a culture that no longer actually thinks that God is, let alone that he is wise. I'll say it again. Never stop being a student. Morning after morning, bow your head and humbly pray, Lord, Please teach me your way. I found that helpful. So next question to ask ourselves is how, how can I battle distractions? Um, because they come, right? It doesn't matter what season you're in. None of us have outgrown distractions. Um, and sometimes those distractions have feet on them, right? They, they come pattering into our room at an hour we weren't expecting. Um, and, and so we can be well served just to evaluate. You know, with our children, sometimes there's just a real training opportunity to help them understand how precious this time is that you would ask them to learn to stay in bed until the first number on the clock is a seven or an eight or whatever that is. Um, you would teach them to stay, to just to stay bed, stay there, or to keep sleeping, or to get out their little picture Bible, or to listen to, on a, to a Bible on CD or, or something because they're going to be seeing how badly you need to be with the Lord. Um, a lot of times I hear from newly married women that all of a sudden there's a husband in their house and it just kind of disrupts their routine of how to get in, how to get in the Word. And so talk with your husband. You know, he wants you to be in the Word. He wants you to be in the Word. So talk to him and, and talk together about how you use the space you have at the time in my house. When I'm home, I just was very humbled this fall when I was gone so much and found out that when I'm not home, my husband sits in our bedroom to do his devotions. When I am home, this would be the distraction of the capital B, he sits on the back porch. (laughs) Year round, year round, he's out on the back porch. That's where he gets away from the distractions. But, but that's where you just, you want to just talk, talk, find out. What can we do to serve each other and help each other get alone with the Lord in his word? Same thing for roommates. Um, sometimes these distractions are just in our own mind, right? Um, it's, I'm reading, and all of a sudden there's a verse there. It would be perfect to text to my friend. Or something I need to remember to get done today. Or a phone call or whatever. A pad of paper and a pencil and jot it down and then get right back to shepherding your heart. Um, I tried that this week, and it was helpful. <laughs> it was helpful. Um, let's see. Electronics. Just evaluate this. You know, I'll just tell you I am hindered because I am easily distracted um, by electronics in my time alone with the Lord. But some people find them really helpful. So that's where we each have to evaluate for ourselves. Um, what methods are going to be most helpful for me in my season on this day of the week, and how can I protect myself and guard against that which would take me away from meeting with the Lord in his word?
Are there any questions about anything or suggestions? I'm going to ask you that again. This is just a warm-up to get you thinking, so you're ready to chime in. All right. Um, You know what? I think we're just going to go ahead and take an early break, but it's going to be really short just to make sure we get done. So go ahead, take a break, grab something else to drink, and we'll get going again in three minutes. Okay, thanks for sticking with a short break today. Um, So now we're going to move into the part of our outline um, where we talk about some focal points in the spiritual discipline of shepherding our hearts. And where we're going to start is the approach. And, And this is really what Sarah helped us so much with when she went through Discipline 1. Because, you know, truth be told, when we sit down with the Lord, or or we know that we should sit down with the Lord, it can be hard to get started. It can be hard to stay focused. It can be hard to know where to start and what to include. And it can be hard to know when we're done. You know, have you ever been praying along and kind of thought, am I done? Have I prayed enough? You know, is that enough? I I don't know. Um, And so I would love... I would love, I, I warned you, I told you to get a chance. I would love to just be able to just have a big discussion, have everybody share, what do you do? What do you do? I was just telling Sarah, I think probably every day of the week it's something different for me. In fact, I got my little handy-dandy bag. All you need is your Bible. But you know what? Sometimes I use memory verses, and sometimes I use books with prayers like Sarah was talking about, and sometimes I use Bible study guides, and sometimes I use my Wellspring worship book. Um, there's just lots of ways to prepare your heart to come before the Lord. Um, but the one thing from this list that I want to highlight um, just because Sarah did such a good job kind of touching on this already we're not going to spend as much time but you can see that worship is there and you've got a few references those are just barely scratching the surface Um, this, this really should be a focal point all of its own Because worship flows naturally out of your Bible reading when you take note of what is said about God himself. And the practice of rehearsing God's attributes and God's character and standing in awe of him is a discipline that is very, very helpful in shepherding your thoughts and your emotions and guarding your mind in the face of whatever trials and difficulties come along each day. It's kind of like it builds a well-worn path in your own mind and in your own heart back to God. Back to God and all the reasons why he is trustworthy. And our Wellspring homework this year is kind of drawing out a lot of that. And um, you you might want to keep your Wellspring homework in a place, in, place in your notebook or a place with your Bible reading plan where it's just a resource that you could use to go back and remind yourself of, of who God is and his sovereignty and his faithfulness and, and all the things that we've been seeing there. Um, and then I mentioned the Wellspring Worship Book already. Again, just worshiping the Lord with song can just be a very, very sweet way of drawing, of drawing near to him. Just on a practical side, when you are tired and you actually <laughs> open your mouth and sing and you have to listen, it wakes you up. <laughs> it wakes you up. Okay. Um, and, and it is important also just to start 
with going before the Lord in honesty. You know, sometimes the first thing I need to pray is something like, Lord, you know my heart and you know that I'm fighting to even want to be here. That's where I am right now. And so I say, Father, forgive me and renew me by your Holy Spirit as I come into your words. Soften me. I want to be transformed into a fervent, effective prayer and worshiper and follower as I draw near to you in your word. Um, and if that's where we need to start, then that's what we need to do. And then we forge ahead. Um, because there's no one who knows better about the coldness of heart that can exist in our mixed condition than God does. right? He's the one who sovereignly ordained that this is the condition that we're in, that we're saved into right now. And he made us in this new condition where we can now fight against that coldness of heart. And he understands that there are days that we will wake up and we may feel very cold toward him. And he gives us a means to thaw that out. And it is primarily his word. And the purpose in all of this all of this thinking about how to approach God and worshiping God is to declare before God and remind ourselves, why are we here? Why are we coming before God? And ask us, ask God to renew us in that posture of heart that um, was, was captured in that prayer that Sarah shared in the disciplines. Um, you can see on, on the next page of your outline, you've got some verses that can be a tool um, if, if this idea of even just preparing your heart to pursue God in your time with him is new, then some of the time you might just want to open up to one of these verses and, and pray through it and, and ask God to form that heart in you. Um, and one of the benefits of having some tools in mind that we can use to prepare our hearts in drawing near to God and worship him is that this can really help us battle a lack of desire or a lack of priority, maybe, that we've placed on our heart shepherding. Having some tools can spur us on to battle for whatever time we can get, whenever we can get it. Um, turn to Psalm 16 in your Bible. It's one of the references there that I just pointed out. What if on a morning when uh, you overslept or your kids got up earlier than you were expecting or you got to be out of the house earlier or the kids were sick or you're nursing a baby or you were up late with a friend or you were studying or you just blew it and stayed up too late or whatever obstacles you might face that day. What if you turned to a passage like this and you turned it into a prayer and, and you said something like, Lord, I want you, I need you. And I need to set you continually before me. I must remember that you are at my right hand. And it's only because of you that I won't be shaken. Lord, I want my heart to be glad because I am near to you. And Lord, I know that to live this way, to have you continually before me, to be confident of your nearness and your sufficiency for me, um, and to be glad in you, I must meet with you. I must draw near to you in your word. And Lord... I've made choices that have brought me to a place right now where I can't be alone with you and your word. But Lord, will you help me? Will you help me discipline my mind to recall your word and to praise you and to rely on you until I do get to a time today when I can behold you in your word in a more focused way? Lord, will you help me think creatively about the time before me today to take that time with you and your word as soon and as often as I can? Couldn't that be helpful? 
Now, I'm not suggesting that that should be our habit. That's not, that's not what we want to aim for. But on those survival days, we could at least take the time to renew our heart for pursuing him. Because if we don't, how might we respond? This is where I want you to participate. How might we respond? <laughs> we might just skip it. Complacent. Get comfortable. Yeah. What? Yeah. Absolutely. You might feel guilty and not want to. Yeah. If I, even if I do think about coming to it later, it might just feel kind of like a duty. Like, oh well, I didn't get it done earlier. I guess I better do it now. Um, we might be irritated at the at the people or the things that came along that took that time away from us. Um, I used to do this a lot. I just kind of be resigned to have a rotten day. <laughs> like, well, I blew it. I don't deserve to have a good day now because God, you know, it's just a whole works thing, right? Is that ridiculous? Okay. There is no gospel fruit in any of those responses. That is not what we were saved for. That is what we were saved from. Okay, that is what we were saved from. So even on survival days, let's battle. Let's battle for time with the Lord. Let's battle to bring our hearts to a place of pursuing the Lord and eagerly anticipate meeting with him. Go be alone with him on our lunch hour or sit alone on the bus or make it the first thing that happens when kids are napping. You know, it is more important than anything else, ultimately. So I'm not saying don't make dinner, right? Don't don't neglect other responsibilities, but fight for this. We just, we can't let up. We're never going to get the same benefit if we let ourselves coast. Um, and then that brings us to the second focal point, which is the centrality of the gospel as I shepherd my heart. So this is about meditating on and preaching the gospel to ourselves in the presence of God in prayer. Um, and throughout this lesson, I'm, I'm going to be pointing you back to the notes we had from our second lesson. And it was uh, the one where we had the diagram and we talked a lot about the mixed condition because the references in that outline would be really helpful tools in this as well. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 2. Now, why would we want to preach the gospel to ourselves? Um, and the reason is because the gospel is God's power um, in Jesus that has made us acceptable in his sight. It's the whole reason we can even come before God. And rehearsing this again and again allows us to prayerfully communicate with God that we love his work in our life through Jesus and that we are interested in learning more about his work in our lives through Jesus. There are treasures in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have yet to discover in our own lives, and we get a chance to renew our craving for those when we preach the gospel to ourselves. And if we stagger today under the weight of our own sin, the gospel will lift us up and remind us of our hope. And if we are in a moment of gospel growth and success, rehearsing the gospel will lead us to humbly acknowledge that all the credit goes to God. Prayerfully rehearsing the gospel is an opportunity to reorient our lives in light of Christ's work on the cross. And one way to rehearse the gospel is to turn to a passage that highlights some aspect of the gospel and and turn it into a a personal prayer. So if you're at Ephesians 2, you might pray something like, 
you know, Lord, I was dead in my trespasses and sins. Verse 3, I too formerly lived in the lust of my flesh, and I indulged the desires of my flesh and of my mind, and I was by nature a child of wrath, even as the rest. But you, God, being rich in mercy because of your great love with which you loved me, even when I was dead in my transgressions, you made me alive together with Christ. And you just can continue on that way. You personalize these gospel truths in prayer, rehearsing them back to God. And you can do that with any of these references here in the outline. In addition, rehearsing the gospel could flow out of what, we're, what you're reading in the Word. It could easily be a, a part of any of these aspects of shepherding our heart, whether we're praising God or thanking God or we're addressing sin or we're praying for ourselves or for others. But it is important. Whatever form or shape or method is helpful for you, it is important. I know that for myself, if I start to let this slide out of my time alone with the Lord in an intentional way, I I really see it in my battle with sin. I get a lot more lethargic about being able to see my sin. And and I'm a lot less eager to repent of it um, when I'm not prayerfully rehearsing the gospel. And conversely, I have been so encouraged so many times to spend time with somebody and see this growth and this enthusiasm for the Lord and lo and behold find out that they have just been diligent in preaching the gospel to their own heart in their time alone with the Lord. So it is a very fruitful, fruitful discipline. Well, that brings us to Roman numeral three, the truth about sin as I shepherd my heart. And you see a quote there, light thoughts of sin breed light thoughts of the Savior. So we want to think rightly about sin so that we are thinking rightly about Jesus. And I think that's really helpful. We don't want to become, it sounds backwards, but we don't want to worship sin, right? We don't want to just worship this battle with sin. We're worshiping Jesus, and he's the reason that we battle sin. Um, Now, this might be a pretty obvious part of shepherding our heart. and In fact, um, as this discipline of shepherding our heart overflows into the rest of our life, a lot of times it is sin that, or the temptation to sin that makes us realize how badly we need to be shepherding our heart right there in that moment. Um, so, again, audience participation, what are some truths about sin that you use to shepherd your heart? What do you think of? What verses or passages I know you do, but I see the fruit of it in your life. Laura. Psalm 51, crying out to God to create in you a clean heart. Yeah. Other things. Other. Just, Suzanne, did you have your? No. No? Okay. Maggie. I can't remember the address, but it's the, the scripture where it says, against you and against you alone. Mm. It's like I can accept sinning against myself or somebody else, but sinning against my Lord. Oh. Brings you low. That's good. Ingrid. Um, I can't remember the scripture reference that fleeing from it. Mm. Good. And then wasn't that kind of reminds me of um, Smedley on Sunday? Didn't he talk about no, sin, no temptation has overtaken you, but what's common to man? So God's provided a way out. Maybe, you know, for Jamie referenced the sermon series we did on Romans 6 last time, 
um, remembering what's true. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. It's not my master. Lori. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and strength. That'll root out a lot of sin, won't it? Yeah. Thank you. Those are those are good. I thank you for sharing. I know it's a little uncomfortable in a large group. We don't always do it that way. Um, but another tool that that might be new. This was this was new to me that um, Scott Maxwell included in the build message was prayerfully rehearsing the character of sin and my vulnerability to it. Um, the first one there is that my sin is offensive to God. And I really want to encourage you, our time is just short today, but um, it is encouraging to go back and look up these verses and just meditate on them and let, let God inform uh, your heart with the offensiveness of sin from his word. The second one is that my sin is powerful to entangle me. We need to remember that what has changed about our relationship with sin and that will never occur again because of the gospel is that we are not slaves to sin. But it is still true that sin can entangle and we can be tripped up in it and we can be overwhelmed by it. That's our mixed condition. But that's a very different thing than what we were before. But we still need to be cautious. Um, We need to remember my sin is dangerous to me and it's dangerous to others as well. Um, Sin sin is dangerous. Jesus said it's better to radically amputate sin than to go to hell. Sin is not a toy to play with. It is not a mistake. It will kill you. Apart from Jesus, we would perish in hell forever for it. We need to remind ourselves of that. Um, The fourth one is that my sin is deceptive to me, primarily concerning those first three. See, sin deceives me like this. It says... It's not offensive to God. It's not going to entangle me. It's, it's not that bad. It doesn't hurt anybody, right? It's not that dangerous. Um, so there is huge benefit sometime in our, in our time with the Lord, sometime throughout the week, periodically. Um, you have to decide how often, but just to take time to focus on what God's word says about these general characteristics of sin. Because if we don't fight to have scripture's view of sin, we will be easily taken in by sin's deception and will become unaware of how near sin is. And we may become vulnerable to its entanglements and then it may become familiar, tolerable, and then it becomes desirable and delightful. And before we know it, we are in a position of weakness with sin where we will be in the fight of our life to escape its entanglements. We may even become defensive about our sin when someone else wants to help us. See, if we do nothing about our view of sin, our view of sin will only become cloudy. So you can see there would be a huge protection against sin and strength for battling sin in rehearsing these truths as we draw near to God. Um, Roman number four is a strategy to fight against specific sin as I shepherd my heart. Um, so again I would just love to hear from you what strategies do you employ are there particular truths or steps or principles that are part of your fight against sin as you shepherd your heart Jen thank you
You are right. It is 2 Corinthians 10.5. And I know that only because it's in the notes for this lesson. I was looking at it this week. Yeah, take your thoughts captive to obedience to Christ. I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that a lot of times that is just, that's the biggest battleground in our battle with sin. Other, other ways you battle sin. Thank you, Kristen. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? Praying for God to reveal your sin to you, and it's a prayer he always answers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I actually was asked yesterday by my daughter how she could pray for me, and I was almost asked for something like that, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> do I really want to ask her to pray that way? <laughs> it took me a long time to answer you, didn't it, Lauren? <laughs> okay. Um, well, again... Don't forget our kitchen gadgets, right? These are, these are some possibilities of dealing with sin. It is important for us to deal with our sin. These are some tools that, that might be helpful. Um, if this is an area where you struggle, maybe you really don't know how to wage war with sin using the gospel, then it might be helpful for you to spend some time with this part of the outline. In fact, I was going to say, this is, these will be on the um, website. You can print them off, cut them up, put them on four by six cards and add them to your worship book or laminate it and check in your Bible or whatever you want to do. If it's helpful to have it in a different form to make certain sections of this more accessible and available to you, just make it your own. Um, So there are are many ways to battle sin biblically, but here here are some some tools. Um, And I I love what Kristen said. I I found this is a lot of times where I have to start. I'm I'm proud. And I don't always sit down immediately knowing what my sin is that I should be dealing with. And we need to ask God, Lord, show me my sin. Um, We can just look back, think back. How did yesterday go? Is there sin in my life? Are there patterns of sin? Have I just sort of been impatient lately? Or am I just carrying around kind of this background noise of, of anxiety or or worry, or, or something like that. Uh, we, we need to evaluate ourselves for um, not only what did I do, but how did I do it, and why did I do it? What was my motive? What was my attitude? Um, a lot of times I see my sin when I look at my responses to things. Um, and then in our Bible reading, what sins have been exposed in, in the Bible reading? And I'm in Ezekiel right now, and there's a lot of my sin revealed when I read Ezekiel. Um, and then also can be really helpful to consider temptations that may be upcoming um, or ongoing battles with sin. I think forward and think, you know, a lot of times when I'm in that environment, I'm not very careful with my words. That's, that's an area of sin I want to I deal with now. I want to confess that to the Lord now. I want to walk through that in a gospel-centered way to prepare myself for obedience in that area where I know that left to myself, I'd be really prone to sin. Uh, another part of um, battling sin is to ask ourselves, how can I get to the root of my sin and a place of godly sorrow and repentance over my sin? And again, this is not always a natural step to take for me. I might see my sin and I just might not be sorry right away. Or I might be sorry, but I might not really be ready to put out the effort to change. And so you can see that this is something I battle a lot because you have a great big list there in your outline. Um, a lot of these questions um, help expose where we're not thinking of ourselves or we're not thinking of others in light of the gospel. Um, these questions might expose self-righteousness 
judgment, not remembering what Christ endured at the cross for our sin. Um, Partway down, you see a question about Galatians 5. In what ways am I cooperating with or hindering the Spirit's fruit in my life? We had a lesson with Tom Angsted last year, and here Anne is going to teach that again this spring, using the fruit of the Spirit to diagnose what's going on in our own heart. Uh, We can ask ourselves, what do my responses to my circumstances reveal about what's going on in my heart? You know, is that cold shoulder I'm giving, is that show that I've got anger in my heart? Um, Is my sleeplessness showing that I've got fear, sinful fear in my heart? Um, And and then I need to take it one step farther and, and ask, what do these responses tell me about, on a heart level, what is it that I love most? You know, is it the opinion of man? Is it just me getting my way? Um, What do I trust most? You know, money, control? What satisfies me most? I think a lot of times this is at the root of my propensity to go after distractions, right? Because it just makes me happy. It just makes me happy. That's what I want most at that moment. Um... What do I rely on for righteousness? What do I value? Um, Another really important, helpful one in diagnosing our sin and the root of it is finding out what does scripture call this sin because we are just pretty expert at finding polite words for sin. You know, uh, she got a little tipsy. But the Bible calls that drunkenness, right? Boy, was I frustrated. What does the Bible call that? Sinful anger, you know, you know, he had an affair. That's adultery. So, so seek out what does Scripture call this sin, and then confess it biblically. Um, find out what Scripture actually says about that sin. And so, when we've prayerfully evaluated our sin and shepherded our heart to a place of godly sorrow over that sin, and the, these are just—I mean, you know that. I hope you know. I don't sit down and go through every one of these. These are just the kinds of questions that we can use to help us get to the heart of what, where the real battle is in our sin. Uh, but when we get to a place where, where we, we've seen the sin and we're broken over it, we've seen um, what Christ has done on our behalf at the cross, we need to confess and we need to repent. We need to just agree with God. That's what confess means. We need to agree with him that it is sin and that we are guilty, that our sin is against him. And that we believe his word. First John 1, 9, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And we humbly praise him and we thank him and we commit to turning away from that sin by his grace. <coughs> and then the next thing I might want to ask myself, in fact, it's really important not to just stop there. We want to move in to asking myself, how does the gospel speak to this? What has God done for me in the gospel concerning this sin? And again, that, that outline that we had on the mixed condition is really helpful to look at back at those um, conversion events. The idea is to take gospel truths and to bring them to bear specifically on the sin that we're dealing with. I might pray something like, God, in spite of my great sin, you have once and for all poured out all of your wrath against me at the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.17 You made him who had no sin to be sin so that in him I might become your righteousness. Romans 8.1 There's no more condemnation. I 
am your beloved adopted child. You are faithful to finish what you've begun in me. And then we can move into what God has done for us in the gospel so that we can fight against this sin and fight for holiness. And looking at our new strengths and abilities from that other outline could be helpful. But this is where we remind ourselves that as a result of our union with Christ, our relationship with sin and Jesus are fundamentally different than they were before we were saved. We are no longer slaves to the sin that we are fighting, but rather we are slaves to God, we are slaves to righteousness, and we are slaves to obedience. This new condition that we are in is radically different than our old condition in which we were slaves to sin. This new man, this new creation, is equipped by God to be able to lay aside sin and to put on righteous behavior from Christ's law. See, it's real important to understand confession, confessing sin, does not just mean saying, I'm sorry. It involves taking hold of the gospel's work in our lives to walk in obedience and holiness. And so at this point, now we're ready to think about what are the gospel-empowered commands for me as I fight for obedience. So now we're ready to set before us the, the commands that Christ has given us to obey. And so we want to watch in Scripture for commands both what not to do, what, what to take off, but also what to put on, what to do, what equipping we have in the gospel for righteous behavior. And both are necessary. This new condition that we are in, by God's grace, in the gospel, is equipped with power and desire to do just this, to obey. And so we trust God by obeying these commands from Jesus. We meditate on these commands. And we trust God's promises in the gospel that we are a new creation that we are capable of obeying Jesus and saying no to sin, and we believe those gospel promises more than we trust how we feel or how we've performed in the past. And then we obey. Maybe we need to go seek reconciliation, seek forgiveness, whatever we need to do to move on and walk in holiness of life. Uh, Something else that Scott shared with the men in Build was that this would be a really great time to remind ourselves what are the blessings of repentance and obedience and holiness. Because in the new man, God has created this new desire to obey. And we can consistently feed this new God-given desire to obey um, by reminding ourselves of what God's word says about the benefits of that. See, indwelling sin will do everything possible to quench that desire. But this is a one way that we can fight to overcome that. Now, the reality is um, that we, we might take the time, we might do this every day, or we might be moved to really work through and battle our sin in a very systematic way when um, maybe I see a lack of growth or success in my battle with sin, a lack of success in battling sin, or I stumble really badly in sin that I think, wow, I really I need the help of God's word. I've got to do everything I can to lay the gospel on top of this to battle with this. Or um, a new sin is exposed to me. Someone else helps me see sin or God shows me an area of sin in my life that I, I just realize I, I need to really be serious about taking dealing with this in a systematic way consistently. 
But day to day, a lot of these things are going to be covered just in, could be covered just in, in preaching the gospel to ourselves. You know, for example, as we preach the gospel to ourselves, we are reminded that God purchased us to be his own. And so I'm going to see a lot of my sin when I just ask myself, am I living like I am his? Am I living like I'm his or am I living like I'm mine? Um, when I become aware of sin, preaching the gospel reminds me of the terrible seriousness of it. How costly it was to Jesus and to God. How deserving I am of the wrath. When I'm broken over my sin, when I have godly sorrow, the gospel shows me God's great love. That he would pay such a price to redeem a sinner like me. And I see his forgiveness and I see that that the dominion of sin over me has been broken. And when I'm ready to move forward and walk in newness of life, the resurrected Christ reminds me that I am now his slave. That I have new life in him and with him, and that I was created in him for good works, which God already prepared for me to walk in. And that he's given me everything I need for life and godliness. I have his spirit. I have Jesus himself interceding for me. I have his word. And his word directs me in the path of obedience as his devoted child, and slave. And so you can see this this can take many, many different forms, but it is just so important to deal with our sin biblically in a gospel centered way. And so whatever method, whatever form that takes in your life from day to day or from week to week, um, it's just really important to keep this aspect of of the discipline of shepherding our heart um, in front of us. Okay, the role of thanksgiving in shepherding my heart. Thanksgiving is commanded over and over and over again in Scripture. It offers protection against anxiety and discontentment. Um, The verses that are listed here just scratch the surface of what Scripture says about thankfulness. As I started to look at them, I was convicted that my life of thankfulness is not very scripturally informed. It's pretty thin, frankly. It's, it's often based on pretty temporary things. It's really rich to look at all the things that scripture thanks God for that are mostly grounded in just who he is. Um, these verses are full of instruction about how to thank God, what to thank him for, and what the benefits of thanking him are. So that can just be a really rich part of the discipline of shepherding our heart. And then this brings us to the request that I must bring to God as I shepherd my heart. This is where we actually lay down our burdens before him and lay our needs and express our reliance on him. And so we might start by asking, how do I pray? And you see a list of references there. These are from the sermon that Scott gave, I think it was March 18th. And if you... Um, didn't hear that. He gave some really practical suggestions for how he organizes his, his prayer life. Um, that might be helpful. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But um, if you don't know how to pray for somebody, look at these prayers from Scripture and then pray them and adapt them for yourself and for others. Really, really helpful to start get the mind of Scripture, how, how God would want us to pray for each other. Um, we can pray for one another in... And uh, from what we see in our own time in the Word, we can uh, pray that 
that we would pray for one another. We would grow, for example, in the Wellspring Disciplines. Um, and then for whom do I pray? Probably the bigger struggle there is where do I stop, right? I mean, you start you start listing it, and you've got your people you live with, and you've got your family, and you've got your small group, and you've got your people here in Wellspring, and you know, and, and you can start to just feel overwhelming. What do I do with all that? Um, but that's a good thing, right? Is that not good to want to be in that place of reliance of, of casting more and more burdens upon the Lord? Um, and Again, use strategies that, that are going to serve you well. Don't, don't feel enslaved by them. One of the strategies I just love, I don't even know if most people know what a Rolodex is anymore. You know, these people used to keep, like, keep their address book on it, right? little cards that stuck on it that spun around. Scott's grandma, I never met her, but I imagine she's probably a person who prayed for me more than most people in the world. That's um, a good thing. But that's what Scott remembers about his grandma as he'd wake up in the morning and she was praying through. She had all her prayer requests on a Rolodex. And she was praying through her Rolodex. Is that not just precious? I love that. Um, Scott Maxwell talks about an app on his iPad that's like an index card app. I don't have an iPad. And I know I would probably just stumble if I tried to do my devotions with one. But you can talk to Scott (laughs) about how to do that. Um, But... Uh, he talked about in that in that sermon that he gave us how you can organize decide how how much time do I have to pray and then divide up all the things I want to be praying about over that many days. If I get to pray for it once a month, is that not better than not praying about it? Or if it's once a week, that's better than not praying. And you know, for me, I'm sort of like just an enigma because sometimes I feel really organized and sometimes I just don't want to be really organized. So I've got my my journal, Bible, blog thing, and it has blank pages at the front of me every month. And every year I think, oh, every month I'll revise my little prayer list and decide what I'm doing. And I get to it maybe every two or three months. But it's okay, because I can still use the, month, the list from the month before. But the idea is that it, just, it helps me every so often to stop and reevaluate what things do I really want to be faithful about praying for every day, and what things... Do I want to be faithful about praying about? But I, I can pray for those things once a week. That's, you know, mine's just little lists. It's not cool cards or anything like that. Um, but, but if you're struggling with how to get organized with that, ask the people in your discussion group. How do you, how do you pray? How do you get organized? What, what's helpful to you? And find a tool. And if it doesn't work, then try a different one. Just keep, keep at it. Um, we've got a whole lifetime to keep growing in this discipline. But the whole point is, let's not be content not to pray. Let's not be content not to pray. Um, here, here's my really sophisticated prayer method. At one point, I was convicted that I wasn't praying for my in-laws. And so, for years, I had an index card on my washing machine. And I thought, okay, when I'm loading clothes in the washing machine, and back then, when I had little kids, I was doing wash all the time. I'm going to pray for my in-laws. And I still think about my in-laws every time I go to put a load in the washing machine. <laughs> you know, thank the Lord for habits. You know, I'm just, I'm thankful for that. Now, would it have been better if I was alone and, and focusing and praying scripture for them? Absolutely. But that was what I could manage at that day in my life to be more faithful in praying for them. So start there. And, and he's just faithful to keep growing us in that. Um, but hopefully, with what we've talked about here and everything on this outline, at least now you're not going to be in a place where you sit down to pray and think, well, I don't have any idea what to pray about. You've got a whole outline here 
of things that you could be praying about. And you can try different things. Um, but the whole point is let's just pursue a life of prayer. You know, this could take a long time. Or it could just invigorate a little time. Let's say it's 4.30 in the afternoon, dinner's on the stove, and nobody's home yet. Hey, I've got a few minutes. I could just go rehearse the gospel from scripture. I could thank God. I could pray for my small group. Um, And I could just, you know, I I can just sharpen and, and, and make the most of those moments throughout the day to draw near to God and be fruitful with that. So... Pretty much everything we've talked about up to here is focused on prayer, and especially prayer that is infused with God's word and informed by God's word and the gospel. And, and we, that, that's intentional that we've spent the majority of our time there because probably in this discipline of shepherding our heart, that tends to be what we struggle with the most. It's the prayerful aspect of it. It's engaging with God on a heart level aspect. If, if all we said was spend 20 minutes reading your Bible every day, Whoops. If that's all we said, that would feel fairly easy, right? But hopefully now you've got some tools in front of you to help make the other part of it, actually drawing near to God and doing it prayerfully to feel like you've got some tools and, um, and, and, and hopefully just an eagerness. I want to excel still more. I want to grow in this. And I never want to quit growing. Um, But two more bullets on our outline um, that I just want to touch a little more briefly on. Roman numeral six, then, is about different ways that we might interact with God's word as we shepherd our hearts. Uh, Now, in the spring, we're going to have a a whole lesson on studying the Bible and, and handling scripture. And so we're not going to take a lot of detail here, but... Um, in Wellspring, we do make the commitment to read through the Word in a year. Um, and, and just in, in that, um, I, I really want to encourage you to think creatively about doing everything you can to make that a time of engaging with God. I mentioned it earlier. Maybe it's standing up and reading out loud because that keeps you awake. Um, whatever it takes to, to make that more and more meaningful. Um, and, and so really the first thing on the outline just underscores what we've been saying all along about meeting with God and engaging with him in our Bible reading. Um, we can stop and pray as we go and interact with God as we read, or maybe we want to read our passage and go back and, and pray and re- as we reflect on, on what we've read, maybe how those things apply, what we've learned, how we want to worship God from that. And in addition to a reading plan, there are other ways we can engage with God in his word. And these are just options, right? They're not expectations, but, but they're things that can be really helpful. You know, we can study the word. We can study the passage that we're reading, or perhaps we want to study one passage over a period of time um, in addition to our reading. Um, I, I have a couple study guides. One I started in the summer and haven't gotten back to since Wellspring started. That's my Christmas vacation study. Um, I have one study that I turn to every couple days because it just goes through the attributes of God, and I just love being reminded, looking at scripture about what God's attributes are, and and that strengthens my my time reading. Um, Lots of ways to do this. You can just open up the word and study and ask good questions. There's some ideas of questions to get started on that. We can take notes of what we're reading, make lists of what we're reading. You're in 1 John 4, and you think, man, the word love us being here about 50 times. I'm going to make a list of everything that First John tells me about love. 
start making a list and you go back and study that and praise God for it and let him instruct you from that. Um, topical, kind of like what we did with the word shepherd this morning. Go, go see what is, just get a, a, a survey. What does God's word say about some topic? And when we do that, we want to make sure that we're looking at those passages in context. We're not just pulling out um, some stray thought that's going to send us off if we don't understand uh, the bigger context there. Um, memorizing scripture. You know, uh, Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Huge tool in battling sin and in shepherding our heart. And I have failed at about as many ways you can at this. But by God's grace, several years ago, a friend gave me a box. And it works for me. I now have a scripture memory system that works for me. And so just don't give up. And I, I brought my box. And if you want to see my box, I'll show you after Wellspring. Because <laughs> I love my, my scripture memory box. But it might not be your thing. You might be the one who does it on your phone or something. And that works really good. But we meditate on scripture. And, and just in all of this, all of this, remember why. Remember why we're doing this. We want to keep the purpose in front of us that we are pursuing our God. We're pursuing our Savior. And we're doing it because, only because of his saving work in our lives through the gospel and we do want to do it to worship him and to know him and to express our love for him to express our fear of him and our need for him not a fear that would drive us away but a fear that would just make us fall to our face and adore him Um, and we do it because we want to be transformed we want to be changed we want to be made more like Christ be a more useful instrument in, in God's hand and so if we're going to be transformed, that means that there also needs to be a relationship between our time alone with the Lord and the rest of our life, the rest of our day. What happens next? What happens when we wake up in the morning? So everything we've talked about so far really is just the beginning of shepherding our heart because shepherding our heart is something that we are responsible for 24 hours a day. There's never a time when we are not on call, when we're not on duty in this responsibility to shepherd our hearts. Um, we, we, we need to be real intentional in this time that we take alone with the Lord to let it prepare our heart for the rest of the day, to grab hold of truths, to carry forward with us. We need to be especially intentional, as we already mentioned, to do that if we spend time alone with the Lord at night. And this is just, a, I don't want you to raise your hands or anything like that, but... If you are a person who spends time with the Lord at night and that is really works well for you and it's consistent and you found good ways to bring that forward the next day, I would just love it if you would share that with me. Come, you know, come up to me later or send me an email or something. That would just be helpful because that's not something I've ever done. I'm, you know, I'm the early morning person. That's that's what works for me. I love that. It's, you know, if I could make a law, I would make that the law, but that would be a bad thing. I'm not making a law. But if if, you, if that works really well for you at another time of day, I would just love to hear about that because it, it's helpful to hear how other people um, take this discipline of shepherding their heart and implement in their lives in ways that are different than what works for me. Um, and then we also can let the rest of our day direct what happens in our time with the Lord, right? Because as we go through the day, we're going to see things that we can be praying about and we're going to be seeing situations that we need to process and, and, and think about more biblically or we need to be preparing for ways that we can be declaring the gospel to ourselves and to others and, and looking for witnessing opportunities. And 
there's a lot of interplay between this time alone with the Lord and the rest of our day. And so you can see that um, in your notes, in terms of, of taking this into the rest of our day, I've broken it into two broad categories. And the first is when nothing is wrong. Okay, And I understand that biblically, God is sovereign and he's good and he's working everything together for good for those who love him. So in that sense, maybe we should never really say something is wrong. But you know what I mean, right? Because you have things go wrong in your life. So that's, that's why it's in quotation marks. But I think that a lot of times it can be easy to neglect the shepherding of our heart when nothing is wrong. Like I'm just going along. I'm in autopilot and there aren't any problems and traffic's fine. And, you know, I'm just zipping through life. Um, and, and so here, here are some ways that we can just make the most of those times and, and make, make them opportunities. Um, you've got the outline there in front of you. We can praise God. We're commanded to uh, pray without ceasing, to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances. That is God's will for us in Christ. Um, we can rehearse the gospel, and we can pray, and we can worship him, and we can sing, and we can look around at creation and see what God has done and see what it displays about us wisdom and his power and his knowledge and his creativity and his beauty and his mercy. Um, the psalm I was in yesterday in my Bible reading kind of blew me away because it lists all these things about God and then it says, for his loving kindness is never ceasing. Just lost the right words there. His loving kindness is, is never ending or something like that. And, and it's like, wow, God made the world because this represents because of something about his loving kindness. I, mean, I, don't, I don't usually think about that when I look at creation. But that's the kind of truth from scripture we can bring in, bring into our day. And this is just a really great opportunity to have God conversations with, with the people around you, but especially your children, because they are just a captive audience. They have to listen to you. And so just talk about what you see. God made that. And uh, helps them start to see that you have a big view of God. Um, big challenge for me is just how can I be a good steward of mental downtime? You know, the time in the car, folding laundry. Um, and, and so think about some of these things. And, and the bottom line is whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Um, and when things are wrong, the short answer to this question is rehearse the gospel, believe God's word and his character, and obey him. Obey him. Trust him by obeying him in your thoughts and your attitudes and your words and your deeds. So that's easy, right? <laughs> a little oversimplified maybe. You know, obviously there's, there's lots of circumstances and situations and we can't address them all here, but we're here to encourage and help each other figure out how, what does it look like to shepherd my heart in, in these circumstances. Um, but as Jen brought out earlier, one area that is just a huge part of our battle with sin is the battle for our minds, for our thoughts. Um, and so we're going to wrap up with talking specifically about that battle. Now, we might find ourselves in the battle for renewing our mind in the face of sinful <coughs> fear, worry, anxiety, anger, bitterness, keeping a record of wrongs, criticism, judgment. You can see I, I'm pretty familiar with this. Um, discontentment, complaining, 
idolatry, lust, and you just keep filling in the blank. What's the battle in your mind? What's the battle in your mind? Um, it's just it's it's really pretty pervasive, isn't it? Um, but this is an important battle. Proverbs 23.7 tells us, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. We've seen all along in Wellspring that everything that comes out of us comes from the inner man. So learning how to do battle in our minds is huge. Romans 12.2 tells us, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, his good and acceptable and perfect will. And so how do we do that? So there was a time when I was just learning that I actually needed to do this. You know, time I didn't realize that it was sinful. But I, I came to realize, wow, I, I do need to renew my mind. And I was starting to realize how much of my thinking was sinful. And I knew that it wasn't right. And I was frustrated because I didn't know how to change. I didn't know how to change. I didn't know what to do. I think, oh, there's a sinful thought. It just felt like it had a hold of me. I didn't know what to do. So a friend said, hey, I'm doing this study, and it's got this outline in it, and it really helps me. And I said, good, I'll do anything. I'll try anything. And she gave me a little outline. I put it on a sticky note, and it went on the wall by my phone back when phones weren't in purses. (laughs) And they were on walls. And the sticky note went there, and I just would literally walk myself back over that sticky note over and over and over because it was such a battle for my mind. Um, Now, I haven't consciously walked through those steps in just like this in a long time. Um, I don't know what happened to the sticky note. (laughs) Um, But God is gracious, and as I use this tool, he used it to start making... um, the process of battling sinful thinking a little bit more reflexive. So this is a tool. All right, it's a tool. It helped me when I felt really stuck. So if you feel stuck, it might help you. Um, and if you're not stuck, then that's great. Help other people understand what you do to not be stuck in, in sinful thinking. This is a sample outline, and I've adapted it um, some. But the first thing is just identify it. That is a sinful thought. That is sinful anger that I'm thinking right now. I am keeping a record of wrongs. That is sinful. I right now, this is, I'm, I'm giving in to sinful fear right now in my mind. And then I confess that to God. I just agree with him. Lord, this is sinful thinking that Christ had to die for. And again, go back to 1 John 1, 9 and claim his promise. He's faithful to forgive that and to purify us. Purify our minds from all unrighteousness. Then we need to remember the freedom that we have from sin through the gospel and that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which include God-honoring thoughts and God-honoring attitudes. Those are part of the works that God prepared in advance for us in Christ and that we have everything we need for life and godliness. And so then we direct our mind to change from that sinful thought um, or that sinful attitude to a godly one. So, for example, I recognize that I... Um, have sinful discontent in my thinking. And I identified it, I've confessed, I've remembered. Now I'm going to turn from discontentment, I'm going to turn to thankfulness. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this difficulty. Thank you for this trial. Thank you even right now for showing me my sin because it's an opportunity for me to draw near to you. Thank you for this circumstance you've put in my life to make me more like Christ. Thank you that you're so kind to use these things for my good. 
And then I'll tell you what, what was life-changing and encouraging for me was this last step. Repeat. Because if that wasn't there, you know what would happen? I'd get through those first four steps, and I'd be good for about 30 seconds on a good day. And then I'd say, oh, it didn't work. (laughs) It didn't work because I'm just right back to those sinful thoughts again. Well, hello. It's a battle, right? And so don't become weary in doing good. Keep on persevering and just start over as often as you need to. So that has been helpful to me. Maybe it's helpful to you. Just tools, right? Suggestions, things to try. Um, You may not want to do these things, but now you have some things. You can go before God and you can figure out how you're going to spend time with God in the discipline of shepherding your heart. And in the coming days, we need to anticipate that we may get discouraged by failure to live up to our own expectations, right? We might already be there because we might be having trouble keeping up with the reading plan or trouble getting the homework done. Um, and so that's why we come together, so we can encourage each other. See, we, that we, we just have to keep fighting. It, it's a battle, but we can battle. We can fight. Um, hopefully it's helpful to see now that we don't need to wonder what we're going to do when we open up our Bible and go before God in his word. Um, we have lots of options, but the point in all this is to draw near to him. So I really hope that you can make use of this lesson to help you shepherd your heart. If you need to just be uh, faithful with what you're already doing, then do that. Do that. Persevere. Be encouraged that it's worth it. And encourage others to persevere. And if you need some new tools to make this discipline fresh and fruitful, then give these a look. When we hit a wall, it's real important to remember we don't do this to earn God's favor or to make him pleased with us because Jesus gained all the pleasure of God for us in his sight. But we also know that God takes a a degree of pleasure in our sanctification and in holiness and that our disobedience is not pleasing to him and that he disciplines us and corrects us that we might be holy and share in his holiness. So pray and ask the Lord to help you keep your motive for this clear. We don't do it to earn his favor, but we do it to express our love for him, our reliance on him. John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And so ask him to help you obey, even in this spiritual discipline. All right, last thing before we go to our groups. I'm sorry that this has been such a long lesson. You've been kind to keep listening. Hope you like the colored homework. I finally got on the build bandwidth, and they have colored homework. And I said, I want to be like them. So um, what I'd like to ask you to do is in your discussion groups, would you please just read through the questions together? And what that will do is it's going to put them all fresh in our minds uh, because some of these are going to just be much more helpful if you have the questions in mind as you're working your way through the reading plan in the next few days. The other thing is that there's one question specifically on here. It certainly will be helpful for you to answer before you get into the December holidays and Christmas season. But if you can sit down and answer tonight before you go to bed, you're going to feel that much more equipped to be successful this week with Thanksgiving and family and time off of school and travel and all the stuff that comes with that just to be prepared to plan and decide what am I going to do to be consistent in drawing near to God in this time. With what time I have, how am I going to be as fruitful as I can with that? And hopefully it's just encouraging to take some time to think that through and be ready to make the most of that. 
So that's it. Let me pray and then we'll jump right to discussion groups. Heavenly Father, you are so great. Thank you for your word that is so rich and so full and we can't even in all eternity plumb the depths of the riches of who you are. But thank you for saving us and making us your own. Father, I pray for the discussion groups. I pray that this would be a time of great encouragement, of joy in belonging to you, joy in being members of one another, and that uh, there would be much fruit and much growth in all of our lives um, through the time we have together and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen.